welcome back to the Blue Line Millennial Podcast. Joining me in studio today, it is nice to have an in-studio guest after a few weeks. I've got Chris Fisher and Mike the Cop. Gentlemen, thank you both so much for coming in and talking to me today. Yeah, What's up, man? Uh, Mike, how was your uh, your flight in? Uh, man, can I say gay on here? I don't know. What, I don't know what I can and can't say. <laughs> you can say whatever the hell you want. I'm not looking want. to offend people. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it was all right. It was a full flight, man. Like my social nightmare is being stuck in between people and having to talk. Like that's, I mean, I guess that's what's going on right now. But uh, <laughs> I was say, don't look now, Mike. <laughs> uh, yeah, no air, airplane travel. Like I got spoiled because I did. I did fly a few times during the COVID thing. I guess it's still going on on some level. But you know, Delta. So I, I live in Metro Detroit. So Delta is like a hub there. So it's like usually the cheapest, most options. You know all that stuff. So uh, during COVID. You would fly what they did every other seat. So okay. I got yeah. spoiled. I'm like, man, this is so nice. You know, going in, like no one's sitting next to you, you know, and if they're enormous and their rolls are spilling over the side or whatever's going on, like it's, uh, you know, it's going to be okay. And you, you just had less stress. And then this time, fortunately, uh, it wasn't terrible. The one dude slept the whole time and the other lady, like once I told her I had my headphones and hadn't heard a word, she said she was okay to <laughs> stop talking, but it just is stuck and squished in the middle. It's just, uh, not that great, but not that great. I can, I, I mean, but the pilot got us here and I was very happy about that. My, uh, my dad used to fly uh, back and forth between Arizona and California when I was a kid running his business out of, out of both States and narcotics my, trafficking then shh, Mike, <laughs> I answered no on that question on my background application. <laughs> uh, no, pest control. <laughs> so, oh, uh, oh, pest control. Pest, pest control. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a reason he didn't call it chemical. He calls it product. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we had an odd number of jobs down along the border, but whatever, anyways. Um, but my mom and I went and picked him up from the airport one time, and he comes out, and he is soaking wet on both sleeves and legs because he'd been in the middle seat between two larger folks. Oh man, yeah, terrible. From uh from Ontario to Phoenix, which is only like an hour long flight, but that felt like fucking eternity <laughs> for that poor guy. So Ontario, huh? Yeah. The narcotic narcotics trafficking <laughs> hub of all uh interdiction. And and wouldn't fans. you know it, the I ten freeway runs right just south of Sky Harbor International Airport. Wouldn't, so. wouldn't you know it? <laughs> Oh man, and Chris, you've been out here for a few years now, coming out of Alabama. Yeah, I got here about uh, six years ago, so this is home now. I love it. Dry, dry heat or humid? What would you prefer? Dry heat. Yeah. Well, humid and 103 and 115 are pretty much on the same scale. Like it Fair just enough. sucks. But uh, for the general everyday, like I'll take 100 here over 90 in Alabama every day of my life and twice oh, on Sundays. I don't have a whole ton of experience being in like really humid environments where it's it sucks suffocatingly hot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I want no part of that bullshit. I could not even imagine wearing a Kevlar vest underneath a polyester shirt mm-hmm. for 10 hours. Yeah, you, you'd come in and be absolutely drenched. Uh, yeah. There's I think there's a, I think it's Glendale um, issues their officers to vests so that you can come through halfway through your shift and swap your vests out. That's very bougie. <laughs> It yeah. is very bougie. That's what that football money gets you, is, yeah. is everybody gets two Kevlar vests. Congratulations. <laughs> Welcome to Glendale. They're also giving out $10,000 for laterals. So if my agency listens to this podcast, they're all going to come and find me and, and uh, punch me in the face <laughs> Shoot, for saying man, that. They're probably offering like mail order brides plus $15,000 plus 
plus a take home, plus two take homes, two take <laughs> whatever, whatever it takes to get people to, to be a cop anymore. And you know what? You're automatically a homicide detective. You don't even need to <laughs> go, go straight, to the academy. Straight to homicide. Straight, straight to homicide. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, you just got to, as long as you can, can pass a true crimes podcast quiz, you know, you're in. Oh man, we could we can continue to shit talk all day long. I'm totally okay with it. I'm by myself this weekend. My wife took off to California for a bachelorette party, uh, so it's just myself and my not quite two year old who's not much for conversation. Well, as, so, as but, long as you continue to pour bourbon in this glass, I'm okay with that. So, yeah, we'll well, good. and we're currently drinking Long Branch, but I do have uh, horse soldiers right there. All so right, if you all run right, out of those, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Long Branch brought to you by Matthew McConaughey. So um, Long Branch. It's what's for whiskey. Wow, that is good. Thank you. We, Matthew, if you ever listen to this. <laughs> well, I'm sure he does. <laughs> and if you want to sponsor the podcast by sending me bourbon, I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> it did take me a little while. We had a, a union retreat uh, last week. And, uh, did you I, swear off alcohol again? I, I swore off alcohol, <laughs> yeah, for, for about, uh, it's been a week. So I made it one whole week. Yay, yeah. sobriety. Yeah. So. <laughs> you get a medal or something now? Or? Uh, yeah. No, I think I got a crisp high five. Uh, and then everybody was like, yeah, you're, you know you're drinking again, right? I'm like, yeah, I know. Better call my sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my chip. You can't have it. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, I, uh, I give you both the chance to answer these, uh, these icebreaker questions that I've got. Uh, so, uh, Chris, we'll start with you, man. You can have a drink with anybody, living or dead. Who is it? And why is it Mike and I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm living my dream right now. Um, no, I would probably say, um, Teddy Roosevelt, like that, that has to be the most interesting dude who ever lived, uh, all, uh, respect to the, the Dos Equis guy, but Teddy Roosevelt <laughs> is a legit badass that just was like a, you know, philosopher fighter. Like he would have some f- fucking great stories. I yeah. bet, you know, true warrior poet kind of a guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Anybody that gets shot, in the middle of a speech and is like, yeah, screw you. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> it yeah, appears right. as though I've been shot. Takes more than that to kill. What did he say? A, a bull elephant or a bull elk or yeah. bull moose. That's yeah, bull moose. Takes more yeah. than that to kill a bull moose. So yeah, much, much respect. <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt. I like it. Chalk that one up. Mike, what you got? Uh, Jesus. I like it. Well, I mean, he's both living and dead. I mean, he died and came back. So that's true. Not many people can say that. What, uh, what do you, do you think he's, do you think he's a wino or are you only getting into reds or are you going to, you going to try and, and, uh, it's a great question. I, I haven't dove into uh first century Palestinian beverages. Uh, that's a, it'd be fascinating, uh, tale to, to dig into. I don't know if like, it was it only wine or, you know what? or what? I think, you know, bourbon wasn't a thing then, but I, I feel like Jesus would like bourbon. I think he'd be all right. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, if if for no other reason than I, I like bourbon, so he would want to connect with me, you know. Absolutely. But, uh, As one of his children, he would yeah. want to. to no, like. when it comes to when it comes to who you want to drink with, I mean, you think about the first miracle in the Bible that Jesus did was turn water into wine, and everybody was like freaking out because they're like, normally people save the best wine for like or early on, like you saved it for last. Like you just give out the expensive stuff right away, and then people start getting a little tipsy, right? And, and then, then you can get the cheese. Just give them, give them Boone's Farm, you know. And uh, he did it. <laughs> Mad the Dog Twenty Twenty. <laughs> so I'm like, man, you got to respect Jesus's drinking game, dude. Yeah. 
<laughs> and then he's handing out people bread because you can't drink without food. Otherwise, it's just a bad. <laughs> you can't day pass all the way a sobriety around. test. You got to chew on bread and a penny. There you go. Suck <laughs> on a penny, pass your PBT. But so I grew up Southern Baptist. So like I'm, I'm pretty sure it was grape juice and not wine. Like I don't know what you guys. Well, were at your about. church, not in the Bible. <laughs> at your church, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, let's see. My uh, my Lutheran church that I used to go to. It was uh, was it like some sort of kosher, like non alcoholic wine. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, the, I was at a Lutheran church for a while, and it was it was a uh, it was uh, some type of white wine, something or other. But I don't know. It was good. It was tasty. Sure. I have also been in the. Uh, oh, this is just a joke that's going to write itself now that I I have been in the back of a Catholic church before because <laughs> I started out Catholic. Where are we going here, yeah. guy? <laughs> and then I would deliver packages for my daddy to Ontario afterward. I don't know. <laughs> but I do remember life. seeing Welch's grape juice back there and being like, oh, all right, sneaky bastards. Interesting. Yeah, that's pretty common. And then the priest asked me to, you know, come and have a separate conversation with him. And there was real <laughs> wine involved. Anyways, I'm a terrible human being. This is what you get at being a cop and being, uh, you know, investigating these types of crimes is you end up with just this super black hole sense of humor. Yeah, exactly. Which I don't yeah. think either of you two are strangers to. Not no. in the least way. Nope. Nope. It'd be hard to offend me. Good. Thank <laughs> God. I didn't think I was going to be able to offend you. Nor did I wasn't going to like set out to do it either. So hopefully uh, when, when Mike and Chris walked in, I was like, you guys want water, coffee, bourbon? I know it's only three o'clock and they became my new best friends. And they were like, we don't really care that it's three o'clock. Like, Perfect. I'll be right back. So hopefully these uh, long branch old fashions I are doing we, okay. I, oh, I did get in the afternoon because I was thinking like, did I come in the morning? Is this, if I did come in the morning, we would have still had bourbon at the same in the morning. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I like it. Mike, you're my kind of people, man. Thanks. <laughs> uh, my next question, um, uh, uh, Mike, what books are you currently reading? Uh, my latest book is The Dichotomy of Leadership from Jocko is, okay. is the one that I'm currently in the middle of. And there's that, and I'm listening to an audio book that I, I honestly can't remember the title of, but essentially the the point of the book is talking about how uh, the trustability of news has shifted over time with the, you know, the internet. So um, it's this whole idea of who, who really is controlling the narratives and, and how do we understand real information anymore? So I can't remember the name of the, the book. I can look it up in my Audible account uh, yeah. whenever you want before I leave and let you know what it is. But it's like a freaking 13, 14 hour audio book. Then. Yeah. Those are the, uh, uh, when you, when you get audible and you get that, like what, 1495 a month or whatever, but you, get, I always search for the longest of the books that I want to read. Cause then I feel like I'm getting the most, <laughs> getting, getting, you know, the getting most the most value. of my $15 for, yeah. for the value there. Uh, but no, the dichotomy of leadership is one that I need to get it in print because I listen to it as an audio book. And I think it's one of those books that you, you want to go back to every now and then and kind of reread yeah. it and you'll just start highlighting stuff. Cause every time, every time you reread some of these, you know, I, I, I've reread Lone Survivor a handful of times and mm -hmm. I, I come out of it with something new each and every time that I read it. Well, I, I appreciate the audiobooks that I tend to not get audiobooks if I can help it. I mean, if I'm really interested in the content and I just, audiobooks are much more convenient for me. I drive around a lot. Uh, so listening to them, I get more accomplished by doing that than trying to sit down and read. But um, Jocko reads it, you know, so right. it's, it's good. Or, you know, like green lights. If you're talking oh, yeah, Matthew yep. McConaughey, yeah, right? Like, I man, listen to you, green lights. There is, if you have only read green lights, you are missing it, man. You have to go back and listen to the audio because him telling the stories from his perspective and his intonation and 
all that, like you, you get it all. And it's, it was awesome. Yeah. You're, you're getting the book with all, as Mike said, the intonation, the inflection with everything that, that Matthew McConaughey wanted you to t- take from that book. He's giving it mm-hmm. right. So, yeah. Yeah. Solid choices, man. I like it. What about you, Chris? So right now I'm rereading um, one of my favorite books. It's called chop wood, carry water by Joshua Medcalf. And it's essentially like a, a parable about, um, you know, stay in the course and, and, doing the work now that takes you, you know, when you get to your mastery level of, in this particular case, it's a, it's a samurai archer, but, um, it, it, it's essentially talking a a parable that teaches you the value of putting in the work of, of practicing that, that one kick 10,000 times, um, and, and how you can't really rush that experience. So it's, it's really, really solid. If you've never read it, it's something I would definitely put on my list. Yeah, I'm going to have to add it to my list. I just uh, earlier uh, was talking to uh, uh, Officer Ashley Smith uh, mm-hmm. on another podcast, and she was talking about her bodybuilding and, and the sacrifices that they have to, to make. Like, this shit I never even thought twice about, like how, how weak she her body becomes because she's essentially starving it by only giving it limited calories. But again, practicing one kick 10,000 times or, or just diving something, diving into something completely headlong. Um, and, and the true value in that, I think it's kind of going away, man. You know, you, you just don't see it a whole lot anymore with, with some folks. It seemed to all be kind of a like-minded group of individuals that, that stick with it, uh, at least for, for the good, right? I'm sure that Joe Biden has practiced licking ice cream 10,000 times. But. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> Let's, Let's go, go. Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Last but not least, Chris, lead us off with this one, man. What, uh, what's a conspiracy theory that you believe wholeheartedly to be true? Oh man, that that's a really great question, and um, I would probably say that the conspiracy, or speaking of Joe Biden, I guess <laughs> I would say, um, I know from what I saw living in Arizona, there is no way Joe Biden won Arizona. So I don't care how many times they count. I don't care how many times. They um, say that it was legit. With my own two eyes, I saw the thousand to one signs in favor of Trump. I saw um, the lines of people um, showing up for rallies to literally no one showing up for a Joe Biden rally in Phoenix. And I just, you know, I want to believe in the American system. I want to believe that our institutions are sacred and protected, but the, the fact of the matter is, uh, and, it, and it doesn't even matter to me that it's Trump. Like that election was stolen and you can't convince me otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, that is a, uh, a common theme when I ask people about conspiracy theories and it's to the point where it, so many people are believing it. Maybe it's not a conspiracy anymore. Yeah. Right. Like, and maybe it should have never been a conspiracy to begin with. You know, you, <laughs> you can't look back on, on the election without some question marks. Right. Like, I mean, seriously, at what point in time did anybody ever go through the the 2020 election and go, yeah, Joe Biden's got this one in the bag as they pass, like you said, Trump sign after Trump sign after Trump sign, all the rallies, you know, here in Phoenix, in all 50 states, I imagine, you know, Mm -hmm. um, entire uh, swathes of traditionally blue states like California. Like, well, yeah, I think actually I I might vote for Donald Trump this time around. So, yeah, it's just... you were here, right? You were in Phoenix. So did you see, I'm sure you did the rally for Biden a couple of days before right. in Phoenix. 
and they go live on the news in Phoenix and it's a fucking ghost town. Like there is not <laughs> one car in the parking lot. And the even the anchors like, yeah, we're having a rally for Biden. So yeah. Yeah, I can't remember if it was was it the Phoenix one where they they made it appear as though it was like a large crowd and then somebody took the picture from like the <laughs> other side of the parking lot and it's like the same 14 fucking people all standing right, next to the camera. Right. <laughs> like I, I imagine the camera guy being like, okay, I'm going to get you all in right here. Okay. Okay. Let's snap a photo. Okay. Now you, sir, put on this shirt and go stand over there. Okay. Let's snap another picture. <laughs> yeah. That's some nuts. What you got? What you got, Mike? What's yours? Uh, well, Chris stole mine, <laughs> not Arizona, but the entire election. Um, that's not the only thing that's been stolen in terms of elections. So. Yeah. Uh, does the Loch Ness monster count as a conspiracy theory or just a legend? Because I would say like, I believe there's some creepy shit happening in there. And I think there's, I think there's a sea monster in there. Yeah. Go with it, man. I say, yeah. I say go with it. Having, I once stood at like on the, it's not really a beach, but it's just little pebbles all the way around Loch Ness and it is dark fucking water. Yeah. There's like, oh, I don't know if I want to be anywhere near this thing. And it's like <laughs> 700 feet deep. There's some weird, like, there's at least a giant goldfish living in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going on over there, but, I, you know, I, I, I can see, I can see some ancient creature still existing yeah. down there in the depths of Loch Ness. Yeah. Yeah. Hell, I think Megalodon's still out there. There's some giant fucking ancient shark somewhere that's like 70 feet long. Dude, I heard a stat uh, recently. It's, it's, it was kind of mind blowing of how little of the ocean we've explored. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's almost majority unknown. I mean, we've gone down and you know, the Mariana trench and we've sent down different things like that. And you see these like crazy creatures that are meant to live under that kind of pressure. Down, sure. Down yeah. Below. Yeah, exactly. And, but yet we've still like essentially scientifically speaking, haven't even scratched that surface yet. It's nuts. What's underneath underneath this planet yeah there was something i read that we put more resources into learning about space yeah than we have because everyone wants to get the fuck out of here yeah, <laughs> yeah we got to make sure there's a clear path on out to jupiter <laughs> gotta find someplace else to start a new colony there try a, this again <laughs> there was something today it was like uh memes in 2100 are gonna have a picture of earth be like if you grew up here your childhood was awesome <laughs> the year is 2063 that son is planet Brandon. <laughs> we didn't make it. <laughs> oh, man. And on that note, let's go, Brandon. So, <laughs> well, I want to go kind of intern. Um, and thank you both for bearing with me. This is, uh, uh, I interviewed two guys from the Texas Tactical Police Officers Association, but it was, it was just over Zoom. And uh, uh, Brandon, one of those guys, was like, oh, so this is your first threesome. However, <laughs> they weren't sitting in my studio, whereas you guys are. So we have, we have the eye contact right now. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And like it is something else. I like gaze it. into your soul. Yeah, that's yeah. right. We get it. We get enough of this there's bourbon no going on. There's, there's going to be some weird, <laughs> there is no escape. They're blocking the door out of here. So, <laughs> oh man, but I'd like to go kind of intern with just how you guys got your start. People may know y'all from social media, but, but I don't know that, uh, you know, well, myself included, I don't really know like what led you guys down the road of uh of policing what about you chris i was uh fucking bored on patrol one night oh you mean the the road of policing i thought you were talking about social media well the we'll get to that too the okay. road to but get let's out of let's start with what led to you being <laughs> bored on patrol yeah, so policing uh i got into policing you know i my life's ambition was to be a pilot in the air force and I got into college and I was doing the Air Force ROTC. <laughs> you wanted thing. to play volleyball with Tom Cruise, what you wanted. I did. Playing yeah. with the boys. 
Um, but yeah, so I'm sitting there in college and I don't know if you guys know this or not, but if you spend all of your time in college drinking and whoring, then <laughs> you don't really do well. In that's class. why I went, that's why I graduated in high school in like the top 10 of my class. And then I had a C minus average my freshman year of college. Yeah. Okay. So I also graduated in the top 10 of my class and then, um, three semesters in the sergeant, uh, that was over the ROTC, like I was talking to her. I was like, yeah, when I go to, you know, basic over the summer or whatever. And she's like, you're not going anywhere. Your grades are too terrible. We're not taking you. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, you got to be smart for the Air Force or something, right? Yeah. So I was like, yeah, and I I was majoring in aerospace engineering and not going to class. You can imagine how that was going. (laughs) Um, So... I was like, well, fuck, I guess I'll... I guess That's I'll why my top. Boeing stock fucking <laughs> plummeted. <laughs> yeah, so um, I... Randomly enough, my mother was um, a teacher, and she was teaching one of the children of somebody that flew helicopters for the Tuscaloosa, Alabama Police Department. I was, in, I was at the University of Alabama at the time, and he was like, oh, if Chris wants to fly, I just tell him to come hang out with me. And like, I was hooked. Like we were getting in car chases and shit, people throwing cocaine out the window and it's looking like it's snowing <laughs> it's on the like side of twenty episode of super troopers. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is my life now. This is what I'm doing. And that's how I became a cop. Nice. On patrol. I like it. I promise, uh, um, here, here, Mike's been joking about my dad, the drug dealer, but I promise none of those cocaine bundles came out of his vehicles. I, I think I don't think he's ever been to Alabama, right? But that's just probably a cover story. So. That's when he said he was going to get milk. Oh, that's why it took so fucking long. <laughs> hey, at least he came back, man. That's true. That's true. That uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. One. <laughs> oh man, but Mike, what took you down the road, man? Uh, I got into it a little bit later in life. Uh, I had had a few people make really good impressions on me. It was one of the policing was one of the careers that was like, I don't know. Um, I felt far off for me, you know, like, Oh, I want to be a baseball player or a cop. I thought it was so cool, you know, growing up like, man, this is crazy. And I had an uncle that was like a reserve police officer. My dad was a dispatcher for a fire department in Illinois when I was really, really little. So I always had kind of like a pro law enforcement thing. And I remember as a little kid, uh, we had a scanner, you know, and hearing the the trap, the radio traffic and the lights and the sirens and all that stuff is like, that's just fucking cool, man. It was always one of those things where like, that's awesome. And then um, I, I think that early on in my life, I was living out the expectations of other people. So I was going to college like I was supposed to and, you know, uh, yeah, I'm pre-med, you know, or whatever. Like, I don't know, like, I didn't really, didn't right. really know, you know, and but I met a couple of cops, uh, Detroit cops that worked at the university of Detroit where I went and, uh, they just made a really cool impression on me and, uh, asking them questions. And so it was, it always stayed sort of like one of these things like, man, it'd be cool to do, but I can't do that. You know, like that's not what I'm, that's not what my life's supposed to be or whatever. And, uh, eventually later in life, so I had, had family and came to a point I I had been a business owner and, uh, the business that I owned was a window washing company. So in also trafficking cocaine, <laughs> window washing, company. <laughs> quote unquote, window you guys washing. You can't see the quote, the air quotes going on, but he, he almost was Mike, the window washer. But yeah. Then <laughs> changed it at the last minute. Yeah, man. So, uh, when the economy took a dump, the real estate market, like 
I lost a couple of really key uh, commercial clients. I lost a, a ton of residential clients that were like, I mean, window washing is, let's be honest, it's not like this necessity at your house. So it's like when people were like, man, we're, we're hurting, you know, the services like that were taking a hit. Um, and I was just like, man, maybe now's the time. And I literally just took my savings and said, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm, I don't want to live with the regret of never doing a job that I've always kind of dreamed of doing. So I signed up for the academy, took the test and went, went down the road. And did you, uh, did you get on with a, with an agency and then go to the academy or did you put yourself through the academy? I started on my own and then got picked up, like, uh, you know, started doing the application process and started the process with the, with a few departments, but the one that I ultimately got hired at out of the academy. Well, I got to hand it to you, man. I mean, it takes, <clears throat> it takes balls to, to put yourself through an academy and uh, sort of on this whole unknown of, am I even going to have a job? Like when I graduate here, I graduate with all of my certs in order and yeah. I can go be a police officer, but like, oh shit, nobody's picking me up. So, I mean, yeah. like kind of, you know, jumping into the pool and hope it there's was, water. It was at probably the helpful it. that I didn't know what I don't know. Yeah, because it was super well, that recruiting video that you referenced earlier, like, right, I had no idea I was up against such crazy competition at the time, which I was like, there was very few and far between jobs in policing in 2009. So it's like, uh, you know, I, I didn't know that, though. I didn't have any concept of that. I'm just like, you know, I'll just, I'll just do this. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I'll just show up and, uh, and I'll go run in some circles and then I'll go take this test. All right, cool. Thankfully, it turns out if you're not a complete slacker and you do your job in the academy, it was you know, easy to get a job, but right. And for the love of Christ, don't lie on the polygraph. Like that's the one thing yeah, that f fortunately we don't have those in Michigan. So, Oh, Ooh, there's a different style of policing. There you go. That's, <laughs> that's what sinks people out here is, is they get all through the polygraph and it's like stupid shit that wouldn't have gotten them DQ'd to begin with, but yeah. they just sit there and they're like, Oh, this is embarrassing. I don't want to talk about that time. I, right, right, you right. know, I had sex in the backseat of a car and in a community college parking lot, whatever the case may be. And then it comes out in the polygraph. With my neighbor's poodle. With my neighbor's poodle. Well, that, that would get you DQ'd, I think. That's racist. In the past, <laughs> in the past that would have gotten DQ'd. Right now, it's like, yeah. Right, Did the dog seem right. into it? Yeah. Just, can, can yeah, a, I think so. Can a dog consent? I don't can a dog know. say no? This is a this is a legitimate <laughs> discussion that I, have, I am a sex crimes detective, and I ask the question as the new detective, like, what happens if... <laughs> insert bestiality question here and everybody just kind of turned and looked at me and once they got like the gears in their head got past the what the fuck did he just say they were like actually that's an interesting question i don't that's know humans. the answer to that <laughs> yeah if, if humans can dream it up man they've tried it it's some crazy stuff that's how laws come about right you make laws after somebody's like that's some fucked up shit we need to stop right. from doing that you know speaking of jesus you know like the old testament stuff where it's like hey don't have sex with your camel man it's like, it's oh upon. man, how many people were having sex with their camels? <laughs> Probably God had too to go, many. Hey, hold on, man. That's not what it's meant for. <laughs> God's sitting there just like, he, he's drinking and he's like, this is not what I wanted them to do. Why? Why can't they just, why can't they just exist? Why do they got to go banging camels? That's why I, I made know. camels taller, but they built a ladder, damn it. <laughs> and that's how God came up with bourbon. <laughs> yeah. He had to make it stronger. Had to make it's a like, drink I stronger. I can't so, take you people anymore. <laughs> just so he could get through the day, knowing full well that his future police officers would also need bourbon to make it through the end of yeah, the day. Yeah, that's why he could have stopped the rain from coming for the flood. And he's like, fuck it. <laughs> it's like, fuck it. Let, let him let, drown. Let, let, <laughs> let him drown. I'm done with this. And whatever's left, let it run through the minerals and make Coors Light and whiskey. I don't know. <laughs> so. And that's the story of how Coors Light came to be. <laughs> Daddy, where does beer come from? <laughs> 
Oh man. And, uh, uh, Mike, you're out in Michigan mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, Chris, you're out in Alabama, right? No, I'm in Arizona now. So what? I, no, but you, when you were a cop, you were yes. out in Alabama. Um, I'm sorry. I'm a fucking idiot today. No, that's okay. I'll, I'll pour you more whiskey. Maybe yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, uh, uh, and Mike, you're still living in Michigan. Yeah. And, and Chris, what brought you out here though to Arizona? Why does any man do anything? Oh, I don't know. There's probably an ex-wife in there somewhere. Well, yeah, actually, there, there, there is an ex-wife in that story. But I, I came out here um, on vacation. Um, and, you know, if you've ever met um, Susan Simmons with Under the Shield, I'm sure you have. But she um, she invited me out and, uh, to go to a training that she was putting on with her and Dave Grossman. And then when I get out here, she's like, oh, by the way, there's this girl I want you to meet. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I married the girl and had a couple kids with her, and that's how I got to Arizona. She just locked, locked you right. It was it was a trap. It was a setup it was, from it Susan. Was completely a setup, but <laughs> she knew damn well what she was doing. She was absolutely right, though. Like she she nailed it, hit it out of the park with that one. And uh, uh, is that what led to you deciding to hey, I'm going to throw in the hat for law enforcement, or was the decision made before that, after that? Uh, well, the decision was kind of made for me, so. Long story short, I was um, I was supposed to be done on June fifteenth, twenty fifteen, and my chief came to me and he was like, "Hey, Chris, like we're we're kind of shorthanded. Can you do me a solid and stay through July 4th? And I was like, "Yeah, man, sure." So on June seventeenth, I got in a little incident with some shitbag that was trying to pick up underage girls and ripped a bunch of ligaments in my arm, and that was it. I was done. So. Last time you ever do that, chief, a fucking favor. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um. It was legitimately the best thing that ever happened to me. And I mean that sincerely. So usually when I tell that story, people are like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking great. I'm not a cop. I haven't dealt with any of the bullshit you guys are having to deal with now. Like YouTube wasn't really a thing when I was a cop. So nobody gave a shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. And now we have entire classes on what to do if you're being filmed yeah. <laughs> starring you. Yeah. You know, you know those cops when when YouTube first got big and uh, like somebody would film them and then the cop would pull out the nightstick and fuck them up and then yeah, <laughs> that would have been me. <laughs> so, we'll take a medical instead of an IA any day of the week. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are there any lingering issues from those ligaments being torn? Everything all healed no, up? No, okay? everything's good. I'm, I'm like my range of motion is like eighty percent in my right wrist, but you know it's not something that I, I use. And sure. <laughs> I, I had to learn to switch it up but you know no i'm good um Mastodextrious. That's, that's actually the real reason to get married so. <laughs> but yeah no i don't i don't have any lingering health issues from it or anything like good. it's as long as i don't ever try to do push-ups again randomly that's what the doctor said he's like no push-ups if you try to do a push-up i can't fix it again darn so, no more push-ups no push-ups can you bench press though yes it's weird. So I can I can legit I can't do it now, but at, at the time, you know, I was benching probably three three fifteen or so, and he was like, "Yeah, that's fine." I was like, "But I can't do a push up." He's like, "Nope." Interesting. It's because of the way your wrist bends when you mm. do it. Yeah, there's got to be some different. I didn't even yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. That's a good point though. There's got to be some different strain, you yeah. know, put on put on some other part of the wrist where it's like, yeah, yeah no, 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 with with like within this degree, you're totally fine, but you shift over like 0.125 degrees this way and your fucking wrist is going to be after you. We're going to cut it off. Yep. That's my problem. My doctor said I can't exercise. I can't do anything. So that's why yeah. I'm like less in shape. 
he's like, yeah, you can't, can't do any of that. Yeah. And what led to that? Just me wanting, wanting to know why I'm so overweight. Doctor's like, yeah, you just, but you can't exercise. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's highly recommended you don't exercise. However, uh, we do have delicious barbecue and donuts for you. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, Mike, why'd you end up leaving, leaving law? And this, I know you talked about it on, on your Instagram and, and some other, some other places. Mine but. was like two phases. Um, the first was just kind of like the, uh, a moment of opportunity. Like when I, the, the whole Mike, the cop thing just kind of opened up doors and I had a job offer basically, uh, back in 2017 and I'm like, my department had a thing where you could come back like in, in Michigan, your cert's good for two years. So you could walk away and come back. And I didn't make great money at my department or anything like that. And I had just, <clears throat> I had just tried to get, um, attached to a DEA unit and trying to, you know, take the next step in my career. I'm kind of like the personality of like, I need change. I need a new challenge. You know, I had done patrol for years. I, I worked in busy places, so it wasn't it wasn't like a slow thing. So I had a lot of experience. Did the FTO thing, um, I and I was really focused on for a couple of years on interdiction. Hence the reason I know all about your dad's activities in the past. <laughs> but Mike's and, actually uh, had to go to court over all this before. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a, this is a court mandated appearance on the podcast. Actually, as as part of uh, the whole thing, how it shook out. Um, and so for me, I had this opportunity where I, I didn't get that position. And what I was looking at was at least another four years to five years before any new opportunities were going to open up at the department. And I was like, okay, I'm sick of what I'm doing now. Not, not, the, not the concept of policing, but just I needed a change. I needed a new challenge. And I felt like I was kind of dead-ended where I was at. And I had this opportunity, you know, to take this other job. And while I was doing that, to continue to grow maybe my social media presence and see where that would lead me. And I just felt like I, I felt at that point, I have nothing to lose, right? Like if I go down this direction, work for a year, make more money than I would have made for this year as a cop. Mm -hmm. The worst thing that happens is I make more money this year, realize I'm not going any direction with this and I'll, I'll come back, you know? So it was a really unique opportunity for me that I'm grateful for. And I just took the chance to, to go that way. And then I just didn't look back, you know, things developed and moved and, uh, and then on and on I went and I, I had switched to a part-time position, um, at a different department, you know, that there's a lot of places around Metro Detroit that have part-time gigs. And, um, so I was doing that, you know, midnights on the weekends and all this stuff. And after a while of that, I'm like, uh, I was already starting to feel like, what am I doing? You know, get, I, I went this direction to get some of my own life back and control back. And here I am still exhausted on Monday, like a zombie because I worked midnights this weekend. Yeah. What you a, were weekend what, graves like a new what guy. A, what am I doing? You know? And then it was actually the Garrett Rolfe situation, the Rayshard Brooks shooting in Atlanta. And I saw what the prosecutors did to that officer and railroaded him uh, immediately. His department threw him under the bus. Uh, the prosecutors threw him under the bus. And Detroit prosecutors and Atlanta prosecutors, it's like they, you know, they would be great bedfellows, you know, very similar. They're looking to string up any cop that does anything that they can fire them for or make an example of them for. And I'm just like, what am I doing every weekend? Like, I've worked so hard at taking this opportunity that came to me and building something for my family long term 
And what am I, why am I out here on the weekends doing this and putting all of that at risk for doing my job? So I'm one traffic stop away. I'm one phone call away from doing what I should do and being, you know, strung up for it. And it's not going to be me that suffers as much because I can make it in prison, but it's going to be my family, you know, like that has to go through that. And they, they spent a decade supporting my law enforcement career. And now I'm asking them to do that and, and give up all that I worked for when I left. It just didn't make any sense anymore. And then, you know, when I came into work one day and sergeant's like, you need to go to these businesses and um, tell them that they can't have people in there because of COVID. I was like, <laughs> really? <laughs> Let's so, talk about all the things Mike's not going to do. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. Um, and I, I remember it was, it was, I think it was July 2nd and I was supposed to work July 4th. And I, I, I just, I woke up I'm like, no, I'm done. Called, called into the department. It was like, hey, is uh, Sergeant so-and-so there? Yeah, all right, I'm coming in to turn my shit in. And the, the chief calls me. He's like, you're supposed to work July 4th. Like, Not anymore. <laughs> so I was like, I was done, and, and I haven't looked back. I haven't, I, honestly, I haven't missed it. Um, I, you know, I've made the right decision for me. But I, because I feel like we're still doing stuff like giving back to law enforcement. I, I still making the content that I hope, you know, encourages cops that are, that are doing the job and educating non-cops still and try to be as much of a voice as I possibly can be in support of law enforcement, but definitely the right, right time for me to move on. Well, and, and you answered my other question, which was going to be, was there for either of you, has there been a moment where you've looked back and gone, God damn, I missed the job? Or has it been, you know what? Like I appreciated the time that I had, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm free of it. I've, n I've never missed it. Not, not once. I, the only thing I would say that I've missed has been, some level of when you, you guys will both relate to this and a lot of, of listeners will relate to this is like when you get that shift, it's like it's like you and a half dozen of your buddies are out there catching bad guys and your boss loves you and your you know, your road boss loves you, the lieutenants are approving your reports, you're locking people up and you're having lunch together and high fiving and you're hanging out after work or you you know, like you get in that groove for a while on that shift and it's like this is this is fucking cool, man. I'm catching bad guys with my friends. That's really awesome, you know? And then you don't always have those shifts that are like right. that, you know, those 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 platoons or however you guys would phrase it. You don't always have that. And uh, so knowing you would have that every day, it then never felt like you were, like, working, you know, like you're just doing what you love with the people that you like to hang out with. And uh, But I look at it like this. I'm like, the people that matter to me that still care about me as a person and not my identity as a cop, I still can hang out with them. I still can go get drinks with them. It's not exactly the same, but I think a lot of, I don't know how much we'll get into what I'm doing now, but a lot of what we're doing now in like our real estate stuff with cops that are transitioning out is like recreating a little bit of that vibe, right? you know, of doing something together that is meaningful to you and you kind of get each other. Well, and, and, and let's just go with it then. We'll come back to the social media stuff, um, but let's talk about the 107 project and, and what that's done for, for the two of you and for, I mean, God, I don't even, you guys probably know, I, but how many, however many cops and firefighters, like where, where did it all start from? Well, um, Mike and I, you know, both got into real estate and we were having success with it um, pretty early on. And we kind of, you know, we were just kind of sitting around talking about it and it, it we realized that the skills that we developed over years and years and years of working in law enforcement really, really served us well in real estate. And then like all the shit's going on in the world. Cops are like the butt of every joke. They're, you know, being shit on left and right. 
and we're sitting there like drinking bourbon one day and we're like, what if we, what if we just started teaching cops how to sell real estate so they could say, fuck you to all these people. And then it was like, let's see what happens. And then we, so we brainstormed it for a while. It, it actually probably ended up being more like a year worth of brainstorming it. And then we finally uh, put it together and we walk out and we're like, all right, we're going to post one time about this and we'll probably get 15, 20 people interested in it and we'll start talking to them about it. And Mike posted on, uh, Mike the cop, I posted on Survive the Streets and Within 24 hours, we had 4,200 emails. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> and it was like, okay, um, fuck. What do, what do we do now? <laughs> I don't even know how to begin. You just get terrified, put the phone down as you shake and hand picks up another glass of bourbon. Yeah, like, we'll yeah. come back to this in the morning. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's exactly how it went. And then, uh, you know, so we spent the next six months playing catch up. Like, because we had to build out systems and processes and tools and train people and do all kinds of stuff to just be able to support all these people who were wanting help. And we were building, you know, inroads and relationships with people in the real estate industry, like, you know, um, like just schools to, to give them the pre-licensed education and all that. So we had to build all those relationships from the ground up and, you know, we've, we've got them in place now and it's, everything's rocking and rolling pretty smooth, but it was, it was a pretty wild process from the beginning. Yeah. And are you guys represented? I know you've got Mike, Michigan, Chris here in Arizona. Are you guys represented in all 50 States or, or not quite yet or getting there? I don't think all 50, but a yeah. good, good freaking number of them. It, yeah. it, I would say at least 35 or 40. Yeah. That's a good yeah. number of people. And how long has it been going on now? Just I mean, over a year. Officially. Yeah. A little over a year. A little over we a year. lost it at the end of August. Okay, and you just uh, before you guys came over to uh, to my humble abode, uh, you guys had a uh, had a ten seven project event, or is that later on? Is that what you're going to next? No, we had uh, yeah we we had what we call the tactical agent boot camp. So we've developed uh, you know as a spinoff from this, we've built an entire coaching program for real estate agents that we call the tactical agent system. And because we've you know put that together, uh, we hosted an event for real estate agents. And then, you know, a lot of people that are in our 10-7 project came. And then there's a couple people that, you know, are, are interested that are cops that were like, I want to check this out and just kind of see what these guys have to say. So we had, you know, a few dozen people come in and, and we just kind of talked to them. And it's kind of a trial run because we want to do these in cities all over the country. And we just, you know, what better place to do it than, you know, Arizona in October, I guess. Yeah, I why not make me fly? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's, the, on, nicest on a full time, it's the nicest time of the year in Michigan right now, man. Do, do your leaves change? Mm -hmm. Oh, that must be nice. And it's like usually uh, 70, low 70s right now, blue skies, the leaves are changing. It's awesome. It's, honestly, September and October in Michigan, that's the only two months make it worth it. <laughs> Interesting story. My dad, the drug dealer. My dad's not actually a fucking drug dealer, just a clock. <laughs> just to sure. clear that yeah, right sure. now. But yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's what every Excuse kid of a drug me, dealer Lieutenant. would say. That's exactly what a drug dealer's kid would say. <laughs> But my dad's from Michigan, and I have never said I've been in Detroit International Airport changing planes, but I've never actually set foot in the state of Michigan. I think it's something that's on my to-do list. Detroit's a nice town. It's like it's calm and beautiful, yeah. and yeah, really Detroit's, modern. Detroit's got some fun places to hang. I mean, like the Metro Detroit area. There's a lot of fun things to do and hang out or whatever. But you gotta you gotta explore, especially the northern part of the country where it's just like much more sparsely populated and tons of lakes and you know trails and 
whatever else. It's beautiful, actually. I think we have more trees, I think, because of the, you know, the upper peninsula. I think that helps skew the numbers, but we have more trees in Michigan than California. Oh, damn. So all you liberals in California that think you're amazing because of your oxygenating the world, yeah, we're doing better in Michigan. So. <laughs> they, uh, I, I, and just to add to it, I am from California originally, but I don't think that I, I'm, I'm the coolest <laughs> fucking thing ever. So there's a reason that my dad brought us all out to Arizona. California can break off any time, man. <laughs> I have a California takeover plan. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. You, everyone just, you, you, move everyone out that has any sort of conservative common sense. You let the liberal policies full, full run, defund the police, give everybody heroin, do everything that you want to do. All of the stuff, everybody shits anywhere they want. They piss anywhere they want. They can steal what they want. Just do whatever, free for all. Like let basically AOC be the governor of California. Oh, shit. <laughs> and then I would say that in less than five years, the place would basically be a wasteland, and then we just walk back in and take it back. And those market prices for the ten seven project would just fucking <laughs> down in the dumps. You guys just go in buy entire swathes of land. Be like Camp Pendleton. You mean all that beachfront property over there? <laughs> What's the state of California? I only know the ten seven on the west coast. <laughs> yeah. Just rename the state. I think they filmed Escape from L.A. out there. I don't remember. <laughs> What, uh, what's the ultimate goal with the 10-7 project? You've been doing it for a year now. Where do you want it to go in the next, you know, what's your five-year plan? Our ultimate plan is to help 10,000 first responders supplement and replace their income with real estate. So how many a, are you at now? You audacious. Know? Uh, about 100. Okay. So Get in there. Yeah, we, we, we anticipate that it'll be exponential, not necessarily just additive. You know, we did a about 100 people our first year. And when we say 100 people, we mean they started from unlicensed became licensed and are now producing. They're actually doing it. Um, so that's a hundred. And, uh, but I think it'll be exponential. I think we'll see a hundred to 300, 300 to 800, you know, right, I, I right. think it will be uh, exponential growth as it goes along, but that's the, that's the long goal. I mean, if we can get there in five years, great, but we'll be heads down until then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not, it's not like a, a linear path. You're not going from person A to person B to person C. You go, you got these first hundred people or so, and then each of them is going to go to, you know, 10 or 15 or so of their friends. And then those people will start branching yeah, yeah. out and branching out. I got you. All yep. Right. Nice. Um, and, uh, uh shit, I, I'm getting old because this is something that is now happening with more frequency is that those questions just <laughs> off they go. Um, all but, right, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> So Mike's just trying to get me drunk. Um, let's. Uh, that's all it takes. That's cheap. Man. <laughs> I am no. I am cheap. It's, yeah. No. I I like to classify myself as a bourbon connoisseur, uh, uh, so that because alcoholics got a really negative connotation to it. <laughs> yeah, but I can only drink better. one or two glasses of this shit. So. Oh man. Yeah. No. I I can. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. I may, maybe I'm an alcoholic. I don't know. <laughs> but who knows? We're. Uh, um, uh, so Chris, you guys survived the streets and, and Mike with, of course, with Mike, the cop, but where did this, now let's go back. Where did the social media stuff, uh, begin for each of you? Well, I was bored on patrol one day and, uh, I was looking around. So that's a good website name, by the way. Yeah. Bored on patrol. Bored on patrol. Does that exist? I don't no, but that should exist. Get your phone out and buy it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just buy the, uh, patrol.com would be a funny 
yeah. we tried sat we tried cop satire before. Yeah. Uh, we just couldn't keep up with it. But uh, yeah, Border Patrol. It's, Border on Patrol sounds like a place that'll automatically be uh, be added to the like yeah. firewall <laughs> access of every agency computer. <laughs> But yeah, ignore was, the link to Pornhub in the left, right, bottom left right, corner, yeah, guys. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Got to make money, man. Um, but yeah, so I was just I was riding around. I was bored on patrol, and when I started policing, I started in a very rural Alabama department. There was eleven of us, including the sheriff, covering six hundred and twenty-five square miles. Holy Christ! Um, <laughs> I was way busier in that rural department than I was in the suburban department that I went to for the rest of my time. Um, and I was talking to a buddy, and we were talking about training and like the training he got was just trash, just tr- like none, non-existent. If it was free and local, he could get training. Otherwise not. And I was like, how many cops out there just have no access to any kind of training? So I thought I'm going to create this page. I'm going to call it survive the streets, a page for cops. And I'm just going to put tips and training advice and you know, how to not get killed as best you can. <laughs> um, on there and it, it kind of it started out that way we would break down videos and you know it just kind of grew from there and then uh, you know again i got bored with it and then we started doing like funny shit and i don't know like memes and stuff and <laughs> now it's just it is what it is now but I, i'm actually not a part of it anymore i, I stepped away from it a couple of years ago just because it needed fresh legs like i sure I, you know seven or eight years of doing it. It just, it needed somebody else. So I stepped away, but it's still there and, and rocking and rolling, I guess. Yeah. I still follow the page. I mean, I think that I was following the page before I was even a cop and I would venture to guess that just about anybody I work for is still following survive the streets. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, good on you for, for recognizing the deficiency in, in training. Um, because it is something that is just, it, it, it's like a cancer within law enforcement is that you get people all the time. They're like, Oh shit, you guys get to, I, I am extremely lucky working for a, a medium to large size metropolitan agency. Um, in that I, I ask for training and yeah, go for it, dude. Especially in my current job as a detective, because I've never, I did patrol for several years and then I became a detective. Well, I've never been a detective before. So it's like, Hey, any of these investigations classes you want to go to, go for it, sign up for it. You're only going to get better because of it. But there are just not that many agencies out there who recognize that the training is an investment in uh, it, within your officer, your deputy, your trooper, whoever. Um, and if you don't make those investments, those same people may very well find a place that will invest in them. You know, um, and and they are going to be they're going to be safer. They're going to be smarter, um, and not just smarter. You know, streetwise, but allow your your cops to go to shit financial planning classes that's something i wish that i'd have i got like a crash course from an fto and you know two hours in the car one day you're almost out of fto time to buy that truck son <laughs> yeah exactly it was like and make sure you get it at like a like a 32 percent apr and you'd be good to go right <laughs> but it was hey this how much are you putting into you don't it? have a boat yeah what? <laughs> and do you know how badly i want to own a boat too and i sit there i'm like i can't do that that would just be bad um but yeah you you just don't, you don't see it a lot. So, I mean, kudos to you for, for getting that page off the ground. And, and, uh, like you said, it's, it's grown into its own beast right now. It's got a mind of its own type of thing. Do you know, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Do you know the, the people that started survive the streets down under? No, oh, okay. I'm completely not connected to them at all. They reached out to me when I first started and they were like, Hey, we're thinking about doing this kind of the same thing you're doing, but do it in Australia. And I was like, oh, whatever. It's Australia. I'm like, they hate it. they hate me now, they man. Hate you so they much. hate me bad. 
Yeah. The yeah. Aussies hate you. Those guys that run that page hate me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of cops that hate my ass. <laughs> but that's a different story. But the definitely the Australia ones because I was calling out Australian cops for being complete uh, tyrants with this. Oh, they're chasing stuff. people down at protests and masking them up, and and it's yeah. you know it's absolutely absurd. Yeah. And now since he said that on your podcast, they're going to hate you too. So that's enjoy. all right. Yeah, just you can make an announcement like I, these views are not my own. Uh, <laughs> that is a that is a header in the bio on my Instagram page. <laughs> these views do not represent any agency or yeah. my, or that of my own. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, again, again, like we just asked the other day, like, hey, is there any? Because we got told that, hey, you know, and I, I don't necessarily ally myself to any agency while I'm on this show just to keep my chief from punching me in the face. Um, I don't think he'd do that most of the time, but. Um, we just asked the other day, Hey, we got all these, these like federal officers that are wanting to come in. Are, are, are we planning on doing that? And nope. No, your governor has said, absolutely not. It's not going to happen. So no agency in, in the state of Arizona really needs to worry about it. Um, that isn't under federal purview, such as federal law enforcement agencies or uh, tribal agencies. And which is mind blowing that tribal agencies would fall under the purview of the federal government. Right. There's again, really? Yes. Doesn't that defeat the purpose of tribal? (laughs) Again, like the jokes write themselves, right? And and again, it's, it's hard not to look at it and like, and think of it that way. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like that, the, the the situation that you're currently in is because of the federal government. And now you're going to allow yourself to just be governed and, and be wholeheartedly told what to do by the federal government. Makes sense. If you don't think about it. Yeah, exactly. If you don't think about it. But uh, but we got told, you know, no, it's nothing you need to worry about. And then you've got countries in Europe, of all places, who I would have thought would have been like holdouts this whole time of, oh, COVID, COVID, COVID. But I think it's like Switzerland is basically like, oh, COVID, you mean the fucking flu? Like, oh, and Den- Denmark's completely back. To Denmark's home. completely back completely. to normal. So I think Sweden's getting that way. Uh, and not to, to make light of it. Uh, I mean, my. A buddy of mine's got COVID right now. We lost an officer to medical complications. I just know someone COVID that died of COVID last week. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, again, it, it and we're not, we're not at all saying, you know, we're not saying COVID doesn't exist, but for fuck's sake, do we need to have shut our entire country down, destroyed the world, the world's economy? We're not just America's economy, the global economy. Um, did all that really need to happen? And and sure, you can be like, oh well, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you know, you can't really just armchair quarterback it. But again, like you, you got the smartest people up to this point in world history uh, saying, oh yeah, we should totally lock it down. And then a year later, they're like, oh yeah, we should totally fire all the fucking nurses and doctors who don't yeah, want to get stuck from, with a vaccine. It's gone from two weeks to flatten the curve to fire all the people that were willing to work without a vaccine for years to help people and get rid of them. That's, yeah, it makes sense if you don't think about it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That'll, it, it gets me fired up right now. I was, uh, uh, I've talked to a few people because I did, Last year, I did get vaccinated having a small child. Um, uh, my mom was in a pretty bad car accident and had her spleen ruptured. So she was, and, and they just took it all out. So she's a little bit like higher risk. My dad had two heart attacks last year. So again, higher risk. So I was like, yeah, I'll get, fuck it. I'm healthy. I'll get stuck. I still have complications from the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Fucking Moderna. Call them bastards out. I was the person, the person that we know that died last week was vaccinated. And now the family is upset and blaming unvaccinated people for it. Like, yeah, but... Yeah, but he was vaccinated. So what what could what could anybody else have done? You know, and that's what people I think people need to understand that this is not a vaccine. It's not. It's it doesn't stop you. Like if you get the measles vaccine, you can't get the measles. Right. And you cannot transmit the measles. It kills the measles. But 
the COVID vaccine does not stop you from getting COVID and it does not stop you from transmitting it. It does neither of those things. And, and good for anybody that feels like you're saying like, hey, if you feel like you're in a compromised position, whether it's on your own uh, immune system or somebody else's you're around, and that's, a, that's the right decision for you to make, and you've weighed out the risks and talked talk that through and thought that through from a factual objective standpoint, cool. But when, uh, when, we start, when we start portraying it as something that it's not, that's where, you, that's where I'm just lost. I'm like, why can't we just call it what it is? You know, a treatment of some kind. Right. Uh, a mitigation, but yeah, a vaccine, it is not. No, no, I, I agree with you, man. I mean, you, yeah, I agree with everything you just said because you sit there and you're like, okay, well, are we going to do this? No. And the answer should be, okay. Not, oh, well, fuck you. I'm going to come burn your house to the ground. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I just said I wasn't really comfortable getting that put into my body right now, you know, but okay, whatever. Yeah. So. But uh, crazy, crazy stuff, man. Mike, where'd you get your start? Was it Vine? Is that where we all first first saw Mike the cop? Probably, yeah. Vine or Facebook. Um, we had started an organization called Humanizing the Badge, and we had we were trying to figure out well, how do we get more eyes on what we're doing? And at the time, I had my kids and guys at work showing me this Officer Daniels guy on Vine who I was like, this guy can't, this guy can't be a real cop. What department would have let him do this? You know? And it turns out he definitely was a real cop, but, um, I'm looking at this and I'm laughing and my kids like it. I'm like, well, I could try that. I could try to do something. Cause I just felt like I saw the writing on the wall of video being, I mean, vine was like blowing up and Facebook was then had added video. And so I'm like, hmm, well, let's try it. And just started making content and putting it out there and it just caught, caught fire early on and uh i just never stopped making videos i guess <laughs> well and, and every cop in america appreciates you for not stopping making videos man <laughs> well it, it's funny too because like he, he he started adminning for me on survive the streets like and and then he would be like i'm gonna share a mike the cop video on survive the streets and he'd have like a thousand followers or something at the time and then all of a sudden his followers would skyrocket and ours would stay the same <laughs> <laughs> it's like Brilliant, buddy. <laughs> There's not a return on an investment here. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, what? Man. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying, like that's that. That's really like that's it. I just I just never stopped, and I've I've never had a strategy to it. I never. I mean, I just try to be myself and and put kind of. I mean, I feel like it's where wherever law enforcement meets culture. That's like where the space that I want to be in. I'm not. I'm certainly not like Johnny Tactical, and I'm not. And I'm not somebody that's just, just smoking and joking. I, I try to kind of do walk that line where I'm like, I, I really am trying to advocate for smart things in law enforcement and defend law enforcement and also educate people and entertain people in a way that's like, maybe at least gives them a momentary pause to go, hmm, never thought about it like that. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and one thing I really love about what you've always done is, yes, you, you advocate for law enforcement. Yes, you, you defend them but you're also not, and you never have been afraid to call a spade a spade and be like, <laughs> yeah. this is fucked up. Like you <laughs> right. guys are doing wrong here. Yeah. And I, th I think that's where you get a lot of your respect from as well. Well, from some people, other people just hate me for it, but yeah. well, <laughs> well, fuck them. <laughs> oh, that's my attitude. Yeah. Otherwise I would have quit a long time ago. <laughs> well, and you sit there and it's, you know, you talk about leveraging the power of social media. Um, how did each of your agencies react to, to finding out that, 
that you've got these, you know, social media pages with massive following. Did you catch any flack for it? Did you get coworkers shitting on you or was everybody pretty much like on board with it? Mine was, I kept it silent. They didn't know for a long time. Um, in fact, when they found out, one of the other guys was working with me on Survive the Streets, and he was one of my admins, and he posted a screenshot of one of our MDTs. <laughs> and, that's, yeah, and that's how they found out. And it did not end well for him. They ended up terminate, terminating his employment. But when I talked to him about it, they were just like, well, you don't identify yourself, and you don't identify the agency, right? And I was like, yeah, like they don't know who I am, they don't know who my agency is, and they were like, you better fucking keep it that way. Okay. That was pretty much the speech that I got. I think the exact words I got were, okay, be careful. Yeah. Uh, all right. But you, you see like cops in um, like LAPD or other agencies for their personal social media pages about like, yeah, we like, the fuck you mean you're going to defund us? Like we already have half the people that work here showing up to work and the other half have all retired or, or left and staffings at critical levels. And then LAPD admins being like, Oh man, we can't let that person have say that shit. You're fired. So, you know, like good on them for at least letting you keep it going, yeah. you know, type of thing. What about you, Mike? I, uh, I had been doing work with, like I said, humanizing the badge for close to two years, almost two years at the time that like we, we came to a point to where we we're going to try this video thing. So, I looked at the policy and it, all, all our policy was pretty blanket. It was just, you can't uh, portray the department or the profession in a negative way. So I'm like, oh, that's easy enough, you know? Um, and I had really good support actually from the guys in my department when I was started doing actually like where I really got my start before making other videos was Periscope. There was a, a service where you could go live and nobody did that. Facebook didn't have Facebook live. There was no Instagram live Periscope was it. And now they're owned by Twitter or whatever. But um, me and we, I call him Officer Butthurt. He was my partner and he never wanted to be on camera. So I just called him Officer Butthurt because he's a little bitch. You know, like I was this, I would make fun of him. <laughs> and while we were, we would hump calls from like 7 p.m. to 2 or 3 in the morning. And when things started to slow down and we had our reports to write, I would just pop the camera up in the, in the car and go live and be like, talk about our night, what, what kind of calls we did, whatever. And we, we would just, people loved it, you know? And one of my sergeants pulled me aside and was like, hey man, like make sure that he, we, we love what you're doing, but just tag out for that lunch, that break, you know, when you make videos, like, cause I don't want to see it end. So just be smart about it. And it was a like, great advice. So it's always like, always walk the line. No one was ever able to come to me and go, you did something that you weren't supposed to do. Um, and I, I went to the admin and said, Hey, I'm going to be making videos. The point of the videos is like to just draw attention. Cause for the longest, there was no money in it. There's no, like no monetization on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, whatever, even YouTube early on and having a followers get ads or right, whatever. Right. It was like, it wasn't, it wasn't about that. It was truly about just like, Hey, I'm just, I'm just doing something that I feel like is good for the law enforcement community. And, uh, and they just gave me enough rope to hang myself with and I just didn't do it. So, I mean, like I was really fortunate that early on the admin was like seeing positive things come from it and they were cool with it. So I never really, uh, really never really had an issue to be honest. It was awesome. Well, it's, and that's good to hear. I think that, uh, I mean, and, and both of your pages ended up inspiring me to start this podcast because you come about with the 
the in custody death of George Floyd last year and, and all of the fallout from that. And I sat there like constantly frustrated and pissed off. Like what, like the fuck are you comparing me to those dudes for that guy for like, I'm, I'm my own cop. Like we're all just our own people. Like I leave here. I don't, I don't drive to and from my station in a uniform ready to pull people over at a moment's not. I don't like snap up out of bed and wearing my boots already and wander out and, uh, you know, tell my neighbor that the trash cans have been on the street too long. Like I, I, I exist outside of this career and I want people to understand that, that cops are, are real human beings with real emotions. Uh, not to, not to make the whole cliche out of it, but we, you know, we bleed red just like everybody else. We, we, we cry, you know, we, we have, we laugh, we love, we have all these fucking complex emotions, just like everybody else. It's just, we happen to do it kind of an interesting job, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. Type of thing. <laughs> right. And, uh, and I said something akin to that in my, one of my oral board interviews early, you know, right before I got hired about the power of social media and what was coming to mind was Mike the cop and survive the streets and, and officer Daniels and the humanize the badge. And I had a commander look at me at like, are you fucking insane? Why would you put yourself on social media? Why would you put yourself out there like that? It's like, well, somebody has to, because we can't just, we can't just be solely represented by the cops TV show. No offense. I'm glad to see them. Glad to see that they're back. <laughs> um, but, uh, but people need to hear the kind of the real stories behind, you know, well, that was behind us. That was why I ever started doing anything in the first place. Even pre humanizing the badge was the Michael Brown shooting. I saw that and I saw the media's handling of that. And I was just like, these guys are idiots. All these media outlets are complete fools. And the, everybody is being fooled. Like, and I, I just got to thinking because my kids were younger at the time. And I'm like, if my kids are on social media, they're getting fed constantly. This false narrative, as it turns out, was a complete lie. Complete and totally, utterly contrary to every fact of the whole situation was exactly what everybody was being fed. And I'm like, man, if, if this culture is like a playground of ideas, some, somebody that's going to speak up for cops better fucking get in the game because it's a, it's a battle for minds. It's a battle for clarity, for common sense, for like, it's a big deal. It's a big fucking deal to me. It is anyway. I think like, man, other people's kids whose parents are sloths, they're not, they're not watching their kids on social media, but that kid is only hearing what this outlet is saying about it, and it's not true. They're watching these people in Congress or their NFL heroes do hands up, don't shoot, and they're just being lied to. And you're like, man, some, somebody that has experience in this world should say something, and I just kind of was like, I mean, I can't expect somebody else to do the work that I think needs to be done, and that's like, I, well, I'll do something. Yeah, you know? if, you, if you want something done right. You know, I, I can't remember who it was. I, I was, I was taught at an interview here on the podcast and, and their son had sort of out loud regurgitated something that he'd seen on social media mm -hmm. to his, his cop dad and his dad turned around and was like, okay, explain that to me. And then just, just remember, you know, all your, your aunts and uncles at the police department and dad, like, if you're going to have those thoughts, that's fine. But, but explain it to me so that I can understand it. And he was like, Oh, well, okay. I guess that's not really the way it is. You know, the way it was portrayed on social media. It's like, yeah, uh, by all you know, means yeah. disagree, but you need to have a reason, right? You got to be able to articulate. Give me the why. Why? Yeah, exactly. I 100%. had a, one of the, the ladies at a uh, department that I work for, she worked in a court in the, in our court, which is attached to the department, you know? Um, and so she's like, Hey, will you do a ride along with my daughter? Like, 
she had been exposed to my content or whatever. Like, uh, she at least doesn't probably think you're totally lame or whatever, but she went to college and was getting exposed to all sorts of these narratives that she was like starting to buy into, you know, cops are out to get you or all this other, you know, you know, the typical lines. So like, yeah, absolutely. So first call of the day and it's some crazy, a crazy dude with a gun in a trailer somewhere or whatever. And I'm like, stay in the car. You know, like I'll turn the audio on for you because we didn't have body cams. But we had microphones. Oh, okay. So I'm like, okay. you can hear what's going on, but this is a gun call. So I'm not, you stay in the car, you know, that kind of a thing. So uh, tussle, 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 get the gun, this whole, this whole thing. I get back in the car and I'm like, all right, we can go to the station, write the report. Like, and she's like, <laughs> eyes wide open. Like, this is the first call of the day. And I'm like, yeah, this is what cops do. I was like, you might be hearing that cops love to just shoot people, but where what what's happened with this guy when he's going to the hospital? Yeah, he he lived. Could I have shot that dude? Yeah, probably. <laughs> but I, I I chose to go this route instead. Like explaining that stuff, like people just expose, and you know that's the weakness of social media is you can feel like you can see a meme or a blurb and think you understand it, and until you actually get exposed to it or have a conversation and. And, uh, and, and if someone's willing to have a conversation, you can usually be productive, but after just slinging proverbial shit, like a monkey in comments, it's, it's difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were out in, uh, in Kauai in August and we had this couple next to us from Utah and, uh, you know, Hey, what do you do? Oh, Hey, what do you do? And he found out I was a cop and he was like, dude, I have so many questions. <laughs> I was like, well. I'm on a very small island. Uh, I've got nowhere to go. So what you got? Fuck it. Like, I'll just sit here. Sat there for like four and a half hours and talked to this guy. And he was at the end of it, you know, they're like, oh, hey, thanks for talking to me, dude. And that's all it fucking takes sometimes is just have this dialogue with people and have this conversation. I had you know, something not quite, but similar to, to what you experienced. I, I had a, uh, a citizen ride along and uh, ended up outside of like a Walmart or a Kohl's where all the good things are always happening and there's never any negative that comes out of that. Um, and, uh, uh, one of my teammates and I had to arrest these two people and they wanted to fight. So, okay, we'll do that too. Um, and we won. And after one of them was like, you, you know, slammed upon the hood of the car, handcuff, handcuff, click, clack, get in the back. And then, uh, everything calms down and I jump in and I'm like, okay, well, uh, sorry about that. And he was like, no, I think that guy was being a fucking asshole. It was like, well, good for you, sir. Citizen. I'm glad that you agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we were, you mentioned this to some people at this little conference we were doing is that once you step back for a while, you do realize most people support the police. Most people are cool people. Like they're not, it's not that, but it's just that narrative is so powerful. And what the danger is the minds of people who aren't thinking for themselves, the minds of people who are just scrolling social media, you know, but for the most part, most normal people, they're cool with the police. They might have their questions, and but they're they're more able to have conversations than than we give them credit for. It. It's easy to get cynical as a cop and think, you know, fuck all these people. They're most you know. people want you to fuck up the people that are stealing their shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You do get get a lot of people. I had uh, chased a guy out of a Walmart through a, through a parking lot, and he was running towards a movie theater. And uh, this dude in his like. I don't even know what it was like an 81 Honda civic decides that he's going to try and play chicken with this guy and was like actively trying to go down the parking aisles and stop this dude from running away from me. And finally we ended up hooking this guy and dude comes up to me. And he was like, 
man, fuck that guy. He's out stealing. That's why the, the fucking rollback prices are going away. It's just getting <laughs> expensive. So I was trying to help you out. I'm like, thanks, dude. I really appreciate it. Hey, can you drive me back to my car? Like, <laughs> <laughs> the rollback prices. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good experience all the way around. Um, and you're still out there creating content. Do you have any, any goals? I mean, where, where's uh, Mike the Cop and, and your content in five years type of thing? And that's a, that's a great question. I mean, I, I just want to keep making content that, that stays in that zone. Um, if I, if I feel like it's law enforcement and call, and I've always been myself too, I'll, I'll throw random things in there that really have nothing to do with law enforcement, but for the most part, that's the zone that I like to be in. And obviously that content changes over time. The further I'm away from the job, the less relevant, you know, I, I'm necessarily like when I was working full time every shift created a video idea for me. You know, now it's like I have to look back on those experiences and and think, okay, how could I, you know, adapt that for something now or whatever. So I try to, you know, be relevant in that space. And I'm just going to continue to make that content and, you know, doing a podcast and um, pushing people toward things like the 10-7 project or supporting humanizing the badge or a call for backup, like mental health resilience. And uh, yeah, I mean, like it's basically a funnel. So Mike the Cop is a place where people can come, enjoy the content. And if you want to, if you want to support what I'm doing, well, then you can, if, if it's as simple as getting a t-shirt, cool, do that. If it, if you're looking for help on transitioning out of law enforcement, yeah, I can help you there too with the 107 Project. If you, you know, if you like podcasts, go listen to this. If you like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like a, an avenue. It's kind of like right. it's still going to be the tip of the spear for me because it exists, you know? And, and uh, remind everybody listening, what is your podcast title? Uh, failure to stop. Failure to stop. Got yeah, it. If you okay. look that up on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcast you listen to, it's it's there. Gotcha. Have you had Chris on as a guest? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. No, you are you are one of the few. I've probably only done four or five podcasts ever. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate the hell out of you uh, uh, coming uh, coming up here and and uh, shout out to my buddy Brent. I do talk about him all the time on the show. I got to get him actually on, on the other side of this table uh, because Brent knows Chris and uh, that's where I ended up getting involved and, and getting a hold of Chris. And then Chris knows Mike. And that's why I have these two handsome gentlemen sitting in front of me here, uh, here right now. What um, uh, one thing I am curious about, it just clicked into my head. There's the question that, that old, old, old brain, Kevin, it wandered off a little bit. It, it Joe Biden itself out of my head a little <laughs> while ago. Come on, man. <laughs> but uh, with the Ten Seven project, is it like a, is it a brokerage or how is it like, do people sell, Houses under the ten seven like banner or like are their licenses hanging somewhere else or no? So we we looked at doing it that way, but then we kind of determined that the brokerage we use is EXP Realty, and they are a nationwide brokerage in all fifty states, eleven different countries, and they are a one brokerage model. So uh, if you don't understand the business of real estate, generally how it works is you have a company. Let's say like Keller Williams, Century Twenty One, Remax. They sell a franchise. So that franchise office, you work out of that franchise office and then you are, you know, that's where you you do your real estate business or whatever. EXP is completely different where they, you know, I can sell real estate in Arizona. I can sell real estate in Alabama. I can sell real estate in Michigan. It just depends on how many licenses I want to get. And I only pay one set of fees and, you know, all that stuff. So that allowed us to go everywhere and then it also has an element where let's say you become a real estate agent sign up with the 107 project 
and and you're under the EXP umbrella and you sell real estate, the, you know when you when you sell real estate, you have to pay a portion of your commission to the company, right? Well, that the company in turn gives us back a portion of that, so it sets itself up so that we don't even have to charge cops to do this. Like it's it's a completely free to them service because the company pays us for their success. So it's just that's how we structured it. I got gotcha. you. And where do people go to uh, to look into signing up, or if they want more information, what, what avenues are available to them? So they would go to the word ten, so spelled out T E N, the number seven project.com, ten seven project.com. Okay, gotcha. Um, and what uh, what's on the agenda that was on the calendar uh, coming up? I know you just had one today. Uh, what are your kind of your next uh, next next conferences? Well, the next the next setup is to kind of plan that out. Um, this was a trial run, so we wanted to see how it went, see you know what we could tweak and make better and stronger. Um, and and it's a recon mission. Yeah, so yeah, we, I got you. Yeah, <laughs> we have to do a debrief on that and figure it out. But we're going to try to hit you know four or five cities a year um, coming forward. Our next one's probably three or four months away at least. But oh yeah, maybe Q one of twenty twenty two or something. Yeah. yeah. But and then we'll start we'll start rolling them out. And, and visiting a city near you. <laughs> the ten seven project coming to a city near you. I like it. Are you going to make Mike get on an airplane again and sit in the middle seat? Or, uh, uh, <laughs> is he going to well, buy me a first-class ticket? I'll man? buy him a first-class ticket. Oh, no, damn. No Southwest flights for Mike. Yeah. Well, <laughs> namely because I have to fly the next time. So Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. It's got to be somewhere for both of us. Maybe I can do it in Detroit, yeah. There you go. I... You educate me a little bit, Mike, if you will, on Detroit, because there's, again, you are, you really, if you're outside of Detroit, you really only get one view of Detroit, which is houses are falling down and, and, and the world's just kind of coming to a, a slow stop. Sure. And, but what is, I mean, having worked there for as long as you did uh, and, and grown up there and, and you still live there, um, what do you see when, when you look at Detroit? Man, a, a lot of it is a, a world different than it was a decade ago. Um, and it turns out when you arrest your corrupt mayor and uh, all of the police officers attached to him and uh, everybody else and then put them in jail or fire them, that things can get better. Weird. Uh, <laughs> it's like when you stop bad guys from doing bad guy shit, things can, things can improve. Um, and, and there's been a massive amount of improvement in, it, I mean, when you think about Detroit proper, like Midtown, Downtown, um, lots of renovation. But a lot of the suburban areas around it are thriving, you know, good good things happening. Detroit's a massive uh, amount of land. Uh, it's not like Houston where it's 600 some square miles for the city proper. It's like a hundred and some odd square miles, but you could fit San Francisco and like three other cities inside Detroit. It's, it's big. And most of it is useless at this point. Um, so there are parts of Detroit that are like one house on a block, you know, but it, that's more, in certain outskirt parts versus the the main heart of of where people are moving into and and things like that so it's improved a lot you know when i was growing up you had a bat in your car and you didn't stop at stop signs you know and now like my kids would be like oh we're going to meet so-and-so down at the river walk you know like all right cool you know it's 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 a lot different so it's uh, there's been a ton of improvements for sure but uh yeah the whole area is you know, it's on, it's on the move. We, we, we had the same boom in real estate and prices and all that stuff going on there that everybody else has had. So good. Good to hear that, that Detroit's kind of coming out of it. Cause I think that what's the, the prevailing image is that one from 10 years ago. Sure. Of like yeah. you're saying the house, the one house on the block, you know, the, 
the the gang wars that are that are taking place the the transients all that kind of stuff but it, you know it's funny how how things kind of switch places that i would imagine that seattle's not too far out from looking like detroit 10 years ago and now <laughs> and now detroit's looking like seattle 10 years ago you know yeah, it's weird it's almost like there's a trend if someone looked at history of what causes these things and then maybe Whoa. said like maybe we shouldn't do those things <laughs> Maybe we could avoid these problems, but you're asking for people to have paid attention in high school <laughs> civics. <laughs> humans are humans, though. So, what uh, um, you know, either of you could go back to your younger selves when you when you first jumped into this career. What do you say? What's that conversation look like? Buy Bitcoin and a lot of <laughs> yeah, buy Bitcoin and yeah. start real How estate much do now. You have? <laughs> sell sell everything and buy Bitcoin and live at your dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter how hard it is. Buy Bitcoin and buy real estate in 2009 when the prices are in the dumps. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it, genuinely, I wouldn't change too terribly much about the way my life has, has transpired. So I don't know that I would I would go back and, and offer myself a lot of advice to change the trajectory that my wife that my life took. Uh, because everything that I did and everything that happened to me at any point in time in my life has led me to where I am right now. And right, right here is a really good place to be. So I don't know that I would change too much, but I'd still tell myself to buy Bitcoin. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I dude, I look back, man. And, and I look back and go, well, that was, oh shit, that was stupid. I hear I was thinking that that was all just bullshit. Like uh, the computers could shut off any day. We're not going to buy that. Wait, how much is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just think about this. Like the first Bitcoin transaction was a Domino's pizza for ten, like ten thousand coins. It's a five hundred million dollar pizza now. <laughs> I hope it was something. tasty. <laughs> Oof, it's Domino's. It's not. It's not, like, not that great. What about you, Mike? What do you tell? What do you tell young Mike? Man, I, I feel the same way. I, I, I don't regret. Like I, I don't look back on my career and think if only I would have done this, that, or the other thing different. Like. I enjoyed it. I mean, like I could, I, I had aspects of the job that I, I enjoyed more than others, but I look back and go like, I don't, I don't think, I don't know that I would tell myself anything, anything different. You know, I, I'm glad that I went in a little bit, a little bit, uh, I guess, hopeful, realistic. I think it helped that I went in when I was like in my early thirties, you know, I, I already, I already had my identity as a person you already had life experience right? i didn't i didn't grow into feeling like being a cop was all i had and i think that that's what so many cops end up you know that's my advice to new cops is don't let this be your identity let it be a noble you know worthy job uh even a calling right like you you've had the fire in the bones to do this and and this is what you want to do then you go do it and do it to the best of your ability but it's not your identity it's, it's, it's a, it's an outworking of who you really are. So, but let that, don't let that dictate who you are, you know, and all of a sudden shut off the rest of the world around you and become like this cynical son of a bitch that hates life and everything around him and gets three divorces and owns two boats that he can't afford. Or whatever. <laughs> so like, you know, you're the stereotypical grumpy old crusty right. cop. Like you don't, you don't have to do that. It, it's not, it's not a, it's not an inevitability. It's a choice. So. That's, I'm glad I avoided that, but I think it helped that I started later in life and not like right out of college, like jump in and, and get consumed by it. Right. Well, and, and speaking as somebody who did, I mean, I was, 
I was 26, but I fucked around in community college for way too long trying to become a firefighter. And there's my deep, dark secret. Um, <laughs> but uh, Would you like to add anything that, to that, Mike? Would what? you like to break anything about being a firefighter on this podcast? Oh, I, people that follow me should know that I am a certified firefighter. There you go. Yeah. I actually did not know that. Yeah. I, uh, my first gig in Michigan, they have, I don't, I keep asking people this and I probably just don't listen to the answer, but in Michigan they have what they're called public safety departments. So it's police and fire. So that was my first gig was, was doing both. And can you, can you just like lateral from one side to the other, like fairly easily? Uh, a fire certification never expires. No shit. Yeah. So you could go get a job at a fire department. Most fire departments though require a medic license, which I don't have. So. Yeah, they, uh, I was a registered EMT for four years because uh, out here it is 100%, like 98% of all fire calls are medical, so you need to yeah. at the very least be an EMT. So I was all bright and shiny, 18, 19 years old, like, yeah, I'm going to go be an EMT and get hired as a firefighter. Wait, what do you mean I can't get hired as a firefighter? Well, sorry, it's uh, you go test for Phoenix Fire Department and you are one of 7,000 applicants or something along those lines. <laughs> I was like, right. oh, shit, I should probably find something else to do. But, uh, but you talk about not letting it consume you and, and be your identity. And that's something that I think I even struggle with, man. Not, I don't think. I need to get get out of saying that. But I know that I struggle with it because mm-hmm. I just sat there the other day going, like, the fuck am I going to do with myself if I'm not a cop anymore? And mm-hmm. then, I, and then I, I caught myself. I'm like, wait a sec. I even got this, a, a similar statement in the academy from a, a, a sergeant with, I think, like Arizona State University's police department is, be, be a man who's a cop, not a cop who's a man. Mm, yeah. You know? And, and I had to look at that and go, okay, all right, like, I have a whole boatload of, I absolutely love my job and I love what I'm doing now. Uh, I truly believe that it is a noble job, but there may come a time where I just need to be like, all right, time time to go into something different. I know my wife would be supportive because uh, she didn't sleep for four years that I was on patrol or whatever, <laughs> you know, especially working graveyards. Um, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it, like, I can't say what, what either of you said any better than the way that you said it is, uh, you know. In, enjoy what you do, um, but don't let it consume every fiber of your being. Yeah, have a life, man. Yeah, have a life. Absolutely, have a life outside. <laughs> a, a sitting in a in, in a, the house of a guy who is a cop and has Start a, cop a podcast, podcast. <laughs> and, and and has all this cop shit around the room. <laughs> so yeah, wow. I got cop shit in my office too, but and I keep it, I keep it localized, right? Like it's all it's all here. It's it's nowhere else in the house. The rest of the house is the rest of the house. This room is all is all what it needs to be. There so including that my cousin gave me that truncheon right there over my shoulder that I'm pretty sure has some bite marks in it. So <laughs> from, from London, but, uh, um, nice. what, uh, um, with, uh, with the, uh, the humanize the badge project, are you still involved uh, with that? Yeah, right now we're doing, uh, our, our social media game is atrocious. Um, we haven't had as much of a presence. We used to be very, very well, known I guess and synonymous with social media but we had a lot of people like myself or Daniels that were really active um, and just life happens and everybody goes in their different directions and focus has changed but we we are um, giving out grants quarterly to so if you're an officer or a department that's doing something awesome in your community or if you are someone in the community doing something awesome alongside officers or for officers then we're giving out grants. So we get these applications, we review them, like we have other people review that for us, kind of hand us the top picks, and then the board chooses who's getting the final grants each each uh, quarter and giving out these grants to help them further what they're doing on the ground in their communities. And we'll post about that and highlight that. That way we're giving them, you know, the kudos and attention that we can. 
uh, to it. So that's what we're doing. So as we raise money, we're just kind of giving it out. We don't have anybody on salary. Um, we've never, I've never taken a dime from humanizing the badge. Um, never been, you know, paid to do an event or something like that. So, um, we just try to funnel that through. Um, and it's pretty simple. The name is the mission, right? Just right. try try to actually do that somehow. So that's taken many different forms over the years, but right now that's what we're doing is we're trying to highlight what other people are doing and, and give them some resources to help support them in the way. And are you still in contact with everybody? I, I, how did, how did everybody end up coming together? So you got, you know, yourself, officer Daniels, you, you had hook him and book him, you know, yeah, part yeah. of that. But I imagine that everybody's, you know, kind of all over the country type of thing or. Yeah. Everybody's all over still friends with all those guys. There's nobody that there's a, uh, you know, bad blood or something like that. So we're all, we're all connected. We're all just in different stages of life, you know, um, hook them and hook them and book them, have a podcast now. And, uh, you know, uh, nine one one strong. He's another, another oh, yeah. character yep. from humanizing the badge. I mean, there's a bunch of people and it's just he like, also has a podcast. It seems also, to be the thing to do. <laughs> everybody's got a podcast these days, you know? Um, and you know, so everybody's there, everybody's supportive of each other. We have, you know, text conversations or DMs going back and forth regularly. I mean, we're, we're in contact with all, all of each other. And, um, but yeah, it's just, you know, life happens and everybody goes in these directions and it's, it's hard to, it's really hard to hold something together that's clear and cohesive over a long period of time. So, but, uh, we're still there in some form. Yeah. Maybe one of these days I'll get better at leading it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and it is. I mean, even uh, you look at at somebody like Daniels who is sharing very personal moments of his life. Yeah. You know now and um, uh, yeah. I mean, like you said, everybody's just got to kind of go on their own way and, and and do their own thing. And it it doesn't lessen anything that you guys had before, and it doesn't minimize anything that you guys may have going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just you know everybody kind of goes there you can go your own way right that was a song <laughs> somebody said that, somebody yeah. said that i think before i was born at any rate but uh <laughs> so your dad was listening to while he's tossing cocaine well, he's out the window <laughs> while chris was in a helicopter above him <laughs> that explains all those trips to the gulf god damn it dad <laughs> oh man do you miss the helicopter chris i do miss the helicopter if that i could do one awesome. thing like if i could just get get my department any one thing i i have told my assistant chief before because he used to come out all the chiefs would but but the assistant chief was the one who kind of knew me for the guy who was always asking about helicopters and he finally comes in and he's talking about what the department gets and but i get to the point where i'm like ha, and he goes kevin if you ask me about a helicopter Dude, one more time every quarter when we did evaluations <laughs> and it was like do you have any suggestions for the department we need a helicopter, we need a helicopter i yeah. just every it's like it's the same thing like no we're not getting a helicopter <laughs> so yeah. Interestingly enough, one of my uh, clients is a Mesa guy, and he's he's with their air unit now, and he keeps telling me like I can come fly with him, and I keep not doing it, but I really no, you really got to do it, man. Go do it. I did a I did a couple of hours with uh, Columbus, their air unit, which is it was awesome. Those guys like they've got a really cool unit out there, and it was just it was so fun listening to them hump calls in the air and going around and supporting them back. They, I mean, it was like, Oh, these guys are in a foot chase and they like find these dudes right there. And they're like, the other guys were fighting with some dude at a gas station. They fly over and they were like headed to land. Like, Oh, we'll, we'll just, we'll land and hop out and we'll just grab them up, yeah. help them out, get back in, fly back up. I'm like, dude, this is, this is freaking cool. Man. Hilo doesn't have a cage, but I mean, where are they going to fucking go? Right. right. So <laughs> you're, gonna run? you're not going to put me in handcuffs. You got nowhere to go. Man. You got nowhere I mean, to if go. You wanna, if I you want to hop out, go ahead. If you want to grab a wrench and hit me over the head with it, go for it. Yeah. Buddy. I'm the only one here who knows how to fly this fucker. So, 
But it's uh, so a choose your own adventure story. So, so speaking of Detroit, last time we did an event with Humanizing the Badge in Detroit, um, they had their little. Oh, they did have team. one of their helicopters. Yeah. yeah, they had their helicopter there, and the guy I was talking with the helicopter pilot, and he's like, "Hey, let's go get the helicopter." I was like, yeah, "Fuck yeah, let's go get the helicopter," and that was a pretty terrifying experience because Detroit's helicopter is old as fuck. Like yeah, it yeah. still has bullet holes in it. From, <laughs> from Vietnam. Vietnam. I was going to say, yeah. it's very fortunate sun starts yeah. playing out of a broken <laughs> yeah. speaker when you turn the it's, thing on. It's still olive drab green. Hell like yeah. It's legit. Uh, <laughs> so I'm looking at it like, ah, oh, fuck it, let's go. You know, That was a That's, DOD grant from 1972 that they're yeah. just they're just hanging on to. The federal government hasn't asked for this one back. We can keep it going. <laughs> I wonder if they have their airport. They, they had that shut down for so long. Uh, you know, the state, state still had it. Yeah, COVID. No, because of corruption. But uh, yeah, no, they the state was forever the the air support. Uh, maybe a, the county, the county north of Detroit, Oakland County, they had a pretty good air program. But um, yeah, it's it's not common. It is not the state. The state still has a helicopter, but they don't run them as extensively as they used to. I don't, you know, I don't know the whole story behind that. But yeah, yeah, it's I, don't, pretty I, don't, cool. I don't remember the pilot's name, um, but he was an awesome dude. Like yeah. you know, just just a cool guy. I mean, have you ever met a, a pilot that wasn't awesome, though? You know, really, <laughs> if you're being honest. We yeah. went to, uh, my wife and I went to San Diego for Valentine's Day weekend, and I hit up one of their helicopter pilots, just met him met him through social media. He was like, dude, if you, uh, your wife, and you want to come down? I, he's like, we can't go up in the helicopter because of COVID and California reasons. Um, COVID, man, it spreads super high at above 1,000 feet. Yeah, so. especially with no fucking doors on the helicopter. So, <laughs> But he's like, you can at least come down and I'll show you around the, the they got like four helicopters there hanging. I'm like, fuck yeah, babe, you want to go? And she's like, no, I'm sleeping in, but you can go. Like, sounds good. I'll see you at lunch. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> my new best friend and I are going to go look at helicopters. <laughs> Let so. me tell you about my best friend. <laughs> the, uh, the, I was on a perimeter once. I really wish my agency would get a helicopter idea and I would do nothing else for my entire career because I have a true passion for aviation. I have a, a list of goals of 35 things to do before I turn 35 and one of them is to finish my private pilot's license. But um, I was on a perimeter once, uh, basically near our SWAT building, which was concerning in and of itself. And uh, they're like, okay, yeah, we're, we've got a helicopter en route uh, from Tucson, which if you're unfamiliar with the Arizona area, it's about two and a half hours south of Phoenix. And I'm like, well, fuck, we're going to be here a minute. So we got these drones as like this stopgap measurement, but you get like 20-ish minutes out of a drone battery. And it just doesn't have the same presence as this thump, 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 thump coming <laughs> overhead, right? I have seen somebody surrender to a helicopter before. It's like trying to drive a, a the new Explorers instead of a Crown Vic. doesn't have the same punch when you hear that coming. Criminals would be like, oh, shit. They hear the five five Crown Vic's engine stirring up and uh, hopping over some uh, rough terrain. <laughs> They're like, oh, I'm going to come out now. <laughs> Our Explorers are hybrids now. Oh, my gosh. And and so I'll let you both take a guess as to how many times how many times I've driven a Crown Victoria in my career. I became a cop in 2017. Chris, what do you think? How many times I drive a Crown Vic? I feel like this is going to make me cry. It might. Zero. What do you think, Mike? I, I feel like there was this one moment where you were sent to go get, like, sandwiches or something for training, and they're like, take that. And you drove a Crown Vic once. That's actually pretty fucking close. <laughs> <laughs> My, my FTO and I get out of his explore, his Explorer because he liked the Explorer platform. Ugh. And he's like, uh, uh, you got to come get me at the yard. And he goes, you got like two minutes because I'm driving away and I don't think you even know where the yard is. But go grab a set of keys and then get back down here. And I made a note to look at the number 
on the like 2010 Crown Vic, like the last, it was like our holdout car. There was like maybe four of these things left. And I looked at the number printed on it and I ran upstairs, grabbed that key tag, ran back downstairs. And that was the only time I've ever gotten to drive a Crown Vic. <laughs> we did not have them for a, even a year after that point. Yeah, me and, me and my partner were the last holdout. Our, our car was the last one in service. And uh, never, I hated the Tauruses, hated the Explorers. The Tauruses especially, I hated with a passion. Couldn't stand them. But uh, give me a Crown Vic, man. Loved it. Yeah, so most of my career, I was, I was a Crown Vic. There was a brief, like, three-month period where they put me in, what was it, like a Chevy Impala. <laughs> and if you've never was it stolen it, yeah, it was like <laughs> low to the ground and like i'm not a small man right like so i'm six foot five i weigh 295 pounds at the time i was probably about 235 240 and i legitimately would have to put my left hand on the ground to stabilize me to get out of the fucking <laughs> oh jeez, it was so awful it was like driving a go-kart <laughs> but you know the rest of the time i was in a crown vic and when I was getting pretty close to the end of my career, they're like, Hey, you want one of these Tahoes? And I'm like, no, I'm good. You know? Yeah. Tahoes were all right. Some of, some of them, the way that they laid out the inside had enough space. Some of them, they crammed you in some tight compartment. It was like, no, yeah, it was like being inside like of somehow, a submarine. Somehow it was smaller than the crown Vic. Like what the, what's going on? This is a Tahoe, you know? But, uh, yeah, that's what, that's, I ended my career driving a Tahoe. Yeah. I, I drove a Tahoe for like a full year. And then that's when I finally had enough seniority on the road because we had such not even turnover, just like it was like everybody was getting fucking promoted. So I was the new guy. And then all of a sudden I had like 40 people behind me out of the academy because we had so many people get get promoted or retire out. And so I got to pick my own vehicle after a while. But uh, Chris, you should ask Brent one time about the Chevy Caprice because, you know, you know, Brent, he's not a small dude either. But that man loves himself a fucking Chevy Caprice. They're faster than that. shit. They are they are the quickest car I think I've ever driven. I almost lost my ass in a couple of them. Uh, but my favorite ride that I got was uh, probably about seven months of 2020. I drove our pursuit rated F-150. Nice. For an agency that doesn't allow you to pursue things, but it's just like what the tag Ford gives it. And that thing was awesome. I fucking loved that truck. I missed that truck. I've never, yeah, I never got a chance to do anything with the, the trucks like that. State troopers back in the day in Michigan had the caprices. Yeah, I guess they need to go fast. Well, that's what they it. do. That's what every night, every time cars would come out, Michigan state troopers would, they would run them on a track and they wanted, cause this has changed recently, but back in for the, the entirety of the history of MSP until recently, they would chase you till the tires came off. There was no end to the chase. It did not stop period. Whoever so runs out of gas first. You knew, like, you started running from the local guys like me when the state the state troopers got inv involved. It, it was over. You, you're not getting away because they will bring out every resource possible until this ends and you're in custody. And uh, so they know what they're doing with their cars. So whatever they're driving is typically like, oh, that's that's the one that's going to get the job done. So once they lost Crown Vicks, it went to uh, Chargers, I think, for the most part. Chargers. Yeah, I never had any experience in a Charger. Or uh, what was the other one that uh, shit Durango, like the Dodge Durango, the SUV? No, no. Like I see, I saw those. Well, there's for a like huge a difference between the years, Hemi, but. the Hemi uh, Chargers, because our canine had one of those when I was on FTO, and I, he was one of my uh, like phase two FTO, and he was like, man, you melt your face off when he when he hit the gas, and then 
you get a regular Poor dog. Char- you get a regular charger. It's like a four cylinder or whatever. It's like this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that my take home car now is a four cylinder. We had to go to a union retreat in northern Arizona, and I was like, I'll take my personal car. I don't think that. I don't have a whole lot of faith in my four cylinder to make it up that mountain. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, uh, uh, guys, thank you so much for for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. Uh, appreciate the hell of you guys coming on. But uh, as we wind down, you both have a, a microphone to the world. I joke with my uh, my demographics that I see on the screen. We got like two people in Russia and somebody in Norwegian, or Nor- <laughs> in Norwegian, Jesus, in Norway and uh, uh, Brazil and all over the states. But uh, uh, if you had to to just shell something out right now for the the world to hear, uh, Chris, what do you think that would be? Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> Why you steal everything that I'm going to say? You steal it every time. It's because he knows you that well. I man. know. It's like, oh, come on, man. That's I was like, I was building this up. I was going to end it that way. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's go, Brandon, for sure. <laughs> would be that. Would be that. Uh, man, I don't know. It's just stay the course uh, is 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 the message, and that and I think that that looks different for everybody. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be law enforcement, but stay the course with, with your character and, and, uh, what you're trying to do in life and, and never be afraid to, to take a next step, even if it's, uh, scary, which is because so many cops will take that first step to become a cop and it's scary. You don't know what you're getting into and you take that step and then it's like you give up after that. And, and I think you can take, take some next steps. There's a lot of people right now who are holding back from leaving their department to go to another one, uh, because, the, the illusion of safety and security or not rocking the boat and all that stuff. And it's time to move. It's time to go to the department that's going to, that's going to give you the training that you need. That's going to let you thrive. You know, it's time to move departments for some people. It's time to end the career. It's time to not be out. You know, don't, don't, don't lose your life to this job. You know, your mental health, your physical health, it's not worth it. You know, uh, people that you love in your life and, and what you're trying to accomplish is that's it's, it's much more valuable than the paycheck you're going to get from this, this job for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you hit the nail on the head that one thing I constantly tell people, if it was scares the shit out of you, you should probably do it at least once. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. um, you get so many people like, and you, you said it so perfectly that I have an alarm on my phone going off, um, that, uh, payroll review, make sure you authorize your pay for this week. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise you get a nasty gram from admin, but, uh, um, you get people, like you said, who, who come into law enforcement and then that's it. Like they don't even want to test for canine. They talk themselves out of it because, Oh shit. I kind of know that I can, well, I'd be any good at like, Oh, it kind of scares me. Or they don't even leave the patrol team because like, Oh, well the schedule and like that area might be a little bit more scary. Like go, go do it. It may make you that much better of a, of a cop, you know, for experience it. Or like you said, just to be able to, to get up and, and, and leave, you know, through, be it through something similar to the ten seven project, or you're going to go, uh, you know, work in insurance or you're going to go be a fucking airline pilot, whatever the case may be, you know, if it comes down to it, um, you know, take a good long look at it. And if you decide that, that that move is the correct one for you, then fuck it off you go, I guess. And you know, the job, the pretty somewhat depressing, but one of the first pieces of advice I ever got, I don't even know that you call it advice, but was, uh, my first patrol sergeant told me that God forbid you died tomorrow. We will hold a funeral for you, but before we hold your funeral, your job will be posted online. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. 
what yeah. the hell did I just get myself? Like, dude, I just literally just left the academy and FTO. You can't give me like a week. I don't even have any. I don't even have my shit in my locker right now. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, man. That's a uh, that's a good that's a good thing to tell people. You know, I don't know that it clicks with everybody because you got to be in the job for a while for that to make sense. But it's like, yeah, you, you are expendable. You know, so you better make the most out of what you got. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris, where do people find you at on social media if they want to find out about you or find out about the Ten Seven Project? Oh shit, I change it all the time. It's anything, pretty much anything social media. You can find me at Chris Fisher Realtor because that's what I do now. So, tactical. Any, I thought it was Tactical Realtor oh, on, yeah, on, on Instagram. On Instagram, it is it's tactical, <laughs> at Tactical Realtor now. And then, like, you know, if you want to buy a house in the Valley, you can call my phone. Brent has it. <laughs> so, yeah. I'll leave it with you. Yeah, know. get a hold of Kevin, who's going to get a hold of Brent, who's going to get a hold of Chris. <laughs> Eventually, I'll get you somebody's phone number. <laughs> yeah. I can't do, I'm married to a real estate agent, so I have to be super careful with who I give my allegiances to, because no offense, Chris, I don't sleep next to you. So <laughs> we can change that. Everything's yeah. negotiable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Mike? Where is everybody going to find you at? Uh, if you look up Mike the Cop, that's pretty much it. It's a different, uh, you know, handle on different uh, platforms or whatever, but I mean... If it's not me, then whoever you stumble upon, Godspeed. I, I hope it's good content. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Just listen for the sound of this voice, and then, uh, and you got it. Yeah. When when uh, when Mike and uh, and Chris walked in, Mike was like, "You sound just like." your radio voice. And I was like, well, fuck, thank God for that. Cause you imagine if I like had this super tiny head and had like a high pitched squeaky little chihuahua voice <laughs> little, or something like little that. Beetlejuice action <laughs> little Beetlejuice yeah. action. But, uh, but, uh, uh, Mike sounds the same as he does in all his videos. And I've been sitting across from him for an hour and 45 minutes now. So that's funny. Uh, all right. Well, damn again, thank you both so very much for this opportunity. It's been wonderful having you guys on, yeah, uh, man. uh, Mike, certainly next time you're in Arizona, you always got, you always got a glass of bourbon here waiting for you, Chris. Likewise, oh, right, man, oh, right, you oh, don't right. have to come near as far. You don't have to sit on a Delta <laughs> flight surrounded by 123 of your best chubbiest friends. <laughs> so. yeah, he's got it worse than I do when he gets on a plane. If you can imagine his size sitting in one of those little tiny seats. So I still think that the first class is, is the way to go, man. If you, if you fuck it, if you can afford it, here's 100%. my little, like my, my little word to the, to the world type of thing is that if you can give yourself like save up for two years or however long you need to save up. And if you've got a flight over like four or five hours, give yourself a first class seat. Yeah. It's worth it. If it's over two hours worth it. Yeah, I don't. I don't spend money on like super fancy cars. I don't drive like a Mercedes or anything like that. My house is like a normal house, or it will be when it's finished. <laughs> yeah. Um, but your apartment yeah. is a really normal apartment. Right now. <laughs> my, my apartment is a little. That's a great thing for a real estate agency. <laughs> yeah, I, I sell a lot of houses, but I live in an apartment. But anyway, um, yeah, I, the the first class flight, I will I will be bougie about that. I'll spend money on that. Yeah, give it. Get, Give yourself the opportunity, mm. even if it's just one time, right? Like, especially if you got a long ass, like overseas flight, save your fucking money and get yourself a first class, one of those sleeper pod seats. That's just <laughs> that, the way would, to go. I would love to do that one day is to like, I mean, if I fear that being unjabbed, I'm never going out of the country again ever, but um, I would love to do one of those like suites or something like that on a plane sometime it'd be cool to just do it like, like like emirat emiratis airlines or, or or one of those like middle eastern airlines yeah has a suite i think there's only one on the plane and it's like thirty six thousand dollars yeah i am not saying that you should say yeah, but you get like you have a shower a yep. massage yep. you get a, massa a masseuse mm -hmm. can come in and and do that a sauna like 
uh, you know, big screen TV with yep. a couch. And, and you can dark out your whole bedroom. suite and you close the door and nobody <laughs> fucking talks to you or bothers you. Bumps into your seat with a coffee cart, you know, coming down the aisle, like an aha fucking music video or some shit like that. So all the, <laughs> all the cops listening are like $36,000. Yeah, I'll save up for that. <laughs> That'll be my retirement no, that's, gift. That's why you join the 107 Project and start selling some goddamn houses. Yeah, you, you sell 10 houses. You can fly on Emirates and uh, sit, sit your happy ass in a pod. Comfortably. There you go. See, <laughs> look at that. Done. This episode brought to you by the 107 Project. By the 107project.com. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. Thanks, guys. I really do appreciate you coming on. Had a lot of good laughs today. Enjoyed a couple of drinks. Um, for those of you listening, uh, like, follow, and subscribe. Blue Line Millennial, the 107 Project, uh, Tactical Realtor, or Chris, Real- Chris Fisher Realtor, whichever one it may be at its current point in time. And uh, as, of course, as always, Mike the Cop. Uh, with that, I got nothing else uh, uh, for today's episode. Um, but, uh, do keep listening. I have a new microphone setup that I'm using right now. So if you like it versus what, uh, Mike and Chris have been using the mics that I've been using. Yours is going to be way time. better. I, I think it, it is way better. It is. Is it way better? Do you think so? Uh, yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. And Mike knows what he's doing. Cause he's got a podcast. I have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he has a sponsored podcast. Oh shit. Yeah, maybe. I w- if I could get to that level, I have to fill out paperwork with my agency when I get to that level. But if I could get to that level, that'd be really awesome. But if I get you to the same... You don't need an agency then. <laughs> where we're going, we don't need agencies. Where we're going, we don't need any agencies. But uh, if I keep just entertaining those two people in Norway and that dude in Brazil, then hey, good on me, right? <laughs> All right. Well, this has been another episode of Blue Line Millennial. You guys stay safe. We'll see you on the road.